This season of Cancelled Movie Report is brought to you by our supporters on Patreon. But more about that a bit later. Hello and welcome to Cancelled Movie Report, the documentary podcast series that talks about the best movies that Hollywood never made. My name is Michael Campbell, but you can call me Cambo. And joining me, as always, is actor and comedian, Mr. Eden Porter. Thank you very much for having me, Cambo. And of course, it's season three. We want to step things up a little, so we've brought in a guest. Ooh. Uh, Now, you may know him from his work on Back Pocket, or if you're a keen listener on this show, you may know him as the voice of Master Chief in our Halo episodes, Mr. Gus Runnell. Hey, hey, Gus. I I do not deserve the credit of voice of Master Chief. (laughs) That is such a title that should go to a much more illustrious... Set of vocal cords than I have, so thank you though. You're welcome. Uh, now, obviously, yeah, you do a lot of work on Back Pocket. Do you want to explain to people mm-hmm. what what Back Pocket is essentially? Because it's quite a unique offering, much like this podcast. I'd say. Correct. It's hard to de- de- it is. describe what it is. It is. I often have to describe it because I find myself going. It doesn't condensed down to a few words. It is, uh, we do an online variety show that's based around like video games and pop culture, which is on Twitch, which is a streaming platform. Uh, and so yeah, we do that once a week and then we do all sorts of other content around it. We're kind of like, hey, hey, it's Saturday for video games on the internet. That's but the best way I can describe it. Sold. And uh, less racist. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. We yes, yes. Old, good old hey, hey. Without any of those things. Yeah. Harry Connick Jr. has no issues with back pocket. <laughs> no, exactly. He loves, he loves us and you know, We'll, we'll get him on eventually, but yeah, it's a it's a it's a fun internet variety show, and uh, it's video game, pop culture, and movie focused. So that's why you know love all this kind of stuff too. Wow, that's exactly why we've got you in. Is that we're we're we're, we're looking into the pop culture side. Yes. Now, what does a franchise do when it's running out of steam? It goes back to something it's already done before and been successful at. So, Eden, what are we looking at today? Well, today, Gus, I know you love movies, and I know you you, you cannot wait to sink your teeth into this one. This is. The unmade Indiana Jones 4 and the City of the Gods. Well, without any further ado, let's get into it. Now, when people think of action adventures, it's hard to go past Indiana Jones. Um, Talk of another indie film has always been around. It's been in the background since the 90s. But it wasn't until 2003 when the box set of Indiana Jones on DVD came out that the buzz for a new indie adventure really, really heated up. Firstly, Spielberg came out and he said, Indy, he's not going to be recast, okay? It's Harrison Ford's role for life. Then uh, old Georgie boy, George Lucas, he expressed uh, that he wanted a new film, but he wanted it to pay homage to the old B movies, yeah? Involving aliens and flying saucers. Um, Suffice to say, Spielberg didn't like that idea, um, but they did. They are they are conjoined. Um, they are both involved in Indiana Jones, so they came to a compromise. Lucas kept the aliens but lost the flying saucer, and they sort of hashed it all out, and then they just needed a writer to deliver a script. And they turned to a man who knows a thing or two about writing, and that is Frank Darabont. Yes, now Frank Darabont, you might know him as the writer-director of a little film called The Shawshank Redemption. Yes, very much so. So he also wrote The Green Mile, The Mist, The Blob, and The Fly 2. And... (laughs) Well, you saved the best So only the movies. (laughs) Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Only the good ones. But interestingly enough, he actually did write a bunch of episodes for the Young Indiana Jones series. Do you remember that TV series? Yeah, totally. That was like almost not better, but people. That was like one of those actual things that people liked and kept going for a long time as yeah. a spin-off. It yeah, was, so he actually wrote seven episodes of that. I, I actually, I'm not a defender of the fourth Indiana Jones movie that we did eventually get. I don't think that alien thing gels with Indiana Jones, but I get where they were coming from originally. 
which is the mm. original movies are set in the 40s and the yep. popular serials in the 40s were action-adventure, yep. rollicking, kind of, you know, these kind of jungle adventure mm. movies. And then we go to the 50s and what's popular? Exactly. Those B-movie sci-fi, sci-fi. sort of things. So George so wanted that, to like, say that. that theramone alien, woo-woo, like the sources on a string, all that kind of stuff, Plan 9 from outer space, yeah. Exactly. And so I understand being like, well, the world has moved this far, so the B-movie, I guess, needs to evolve with it. So I understand the logic of it. And now saying that he wanted specifically the B-movie thing, I understand Frank Darabont uh, did The Mist, which Mm. was a homage to B-movie monster films that was chopped up by the studio and tried to make a bit more generic. (laughs) He wanted to film it in black and white and 4-3 aspect ratio and have it like a proper Mm -hmm. B-movie kind of vibe to it. So now that actually makes a lot more sense why they went to him. Yeah, exactly. And like Frank, he worked on the film for a year, um, toiled over the script. He put this little script together. And then um, after it was passed on, he actually leaked the script and we got our hot little hands on it. <laughs> he leaked it to us. Yeah, exactly. He just <laughs> said it in the post. Came out. Now, before we get into this, Gus, are you a indie guy? Massively. Massive yeah. fan. I would say Raiders is my top film of all time top three you've got you got to have a revolving three but like uh yeah Raiders sits up there as like an absolute favorite and then I I went through everything uh all the stages that we all did which is actually love Temple of Doom because I was a kid (laughs) being like this one's more fun and then uh I I loved uh Last Crusade because it was always on TV and then as I got older I realized Temple of Doom wasn't actually as good but it had things I liked and then Raiders was still just like oh my god this is like pure filmmaking uh summed up so yeah love them I still love Last Crusade. I, I, I love Sean Connery. I, I just, yeah. yeah I can't we, get we've it. actually, uh, because we've done an Indiana Jones project in the past, which was the cancelled third Indiana Jones, yeah. uh, we both agreed that we're, we're Last Crusade guys here. But uh, you know what? It's, it's, I think everyone goes between uh, Raiders and Crusade. Yeah. And I just grew up for some reason watching Last Crusade more. I think probably because it was always on TV, to your point. It always was. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I, I'm kind of... I, I, we can touch on this in a while, but I... With the fourth infamous Crystal Skull film, I I think I thought I liked it in the cinema. I hated it on reflection. Yeah. I've since gone back and I can see the little gems that are there and I don't hate it for all the same reasons. And I'm very torn about it. I don't like that it exists, but I can appreciate what parts of it do. So, yeah, I'm curious to see what this means. Yeah, yeah and I think what, what you'll find out is this... this um The Kingdom of the Crystal Skull that came out in 2008, which feels like a hell of a long time ago now when you think about it, um, but when that came out... Um, obviously there was a lot of backlash and things like this but this script was sort of the germination point it's a very similar script and you will see a lot of stuff that they that, that David what co-op that ended up writing the yeah, um, yeah. the uh, the crystal skull he took from Frank he just ripped a lot of stuff that's out that's an interesting point you make there and something that we are delving into this season which is original drafts of movies mm. that uh, eventually evolve we've got Predators coming up which did eventually evolve into Predators mm. we've got a couple mm. of them this season and it's so interesting to see where an original draft started and, where and ends, ends yeah. because they are essentially different films with some connective tissue. So I'm kind of interested to see where the bleeding points are. Now, we'll let you guys know. So the cast was pretty much identical to what we ended up okay. getting in Crystal Skull. So Harrison Ford, yes, um, what, uh, Karen Allen uh, with uh, Marion is in this as well. And even Frank, uh, Frank Darabont. Uh, his idea was to cast uh, John Hurt as Oxley, and that still remained in this version of the film as wow. well. He did get mm. cast after he, after he wrote that in the script. Um, but that's sort of the background. Are you ready to get into the film? Love to. Please. Let's do it. Crack those okay. whips. 
I'm just going to put on my uh, Indiana Jones hat. Oh, I, okay, okay. I'm, I feel bad about this because I spend about ten minutes looking for mine. Uh, is yours? If you look, if you look on the inside of yours, is it from the? Is it the one that? Yes, oh, I yes. have the same one. I, yes, I can't find okay, it. Me, we we may have worn matching hats at a premiere that we may have been working at. Me and Gus used to work at the cinema together, and we did the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull um, premiere at work. So this is an. Yep. Uh, by the way, uh, for people listening. Um, it's it's an officially licensed Indiana yeah, Jones, Jones hat. Correct. Yes, correct. My little story with it was that they gave them to us to wear at the premiere and then no one came and collected them afterwards. And I've got a large head. It's one of the best fitting hats I've ever had. I once went on a riding trip with a bunch of actual like people out on a farm on a horse and they all had proper Akubras and I, ha- I had that one. And they were like, Gus, that hat looks amazing. I'm like, if anyone finds out it's movie memorabilia, I'm going to be like sent off this farm. I was so embarrassed. But it's a great hat. So good work. It's a great hat. It's a great hat. Doesn't so much fit over Doesn't headphones. Fit with headphones. <laughs> so we're just going to leave them aside. Okay, well, let's get to it, gentlemen. Just before we get underway, guys, um, we have recently launched a Patreon. So if you love the show and what we do and you want to show your support, it's a great way to get involved. We have heaps of exclusives on there, including a new exclusive podcast for Patreon listeners. It's called Casting Calls, where we look at people who were almost cast in famous roles they just missed out, and we recreate them for your lovely eardrums. Now, let's get back to the film. The script starts with a page that says, Adventure still has a name. And I'll let you know... This is written in papyrus font oh, as well. Great. So we're setting the scene here. Before James Cameron got his mitty <laughs> little grubs on it, it and stole it for Avatar. Yeah, yep. that's exactly right. Now, the Paramount logo fades into a real-life mountains and we're in a desert. We pan down to a road and we see sort of uh, some hot rods racing past in the middle of the desert. We're in 1954. Yes, they as they race along to the uh, horizon, the dust settles and we're at the Atomic Cafe with a missile-shaped neon sign. We come closer and reveal a man getting out of a panel truck. He waves the dust away, he turns, and it's Indiana Jones. That's right, in the flesh, in full Indiana Jones outfit. Um, he peers after the hot rods with a sour look. Yeah, we're getting into like old man grumpy indie, like straight off the bat. Yeah, cool. Can I just quickly say, Raiders of the Lost Ark has an iconic reveal of Indiana Jones. He's in silhouette for the first five minutes or so, and mm. then he steps out in the jungle looking... Absolutely mm. fantastic. This one gets out of a car. car. Yeah, gets out of a car. <laughs> and shakes his fist and says, slow down, you, you, you hooligans. Damn kids. Damn kids. American kids, indeed. Yeah, you should take a lesson. I love America. I love the food. I love Jerry Grant on the jukebox. Do you know what I love more than Jerry Grant? Ketchup. <laughs> it's a miracle in my country. Uh, such a thing does not exist. Here, ketchup everywhere. Yeah, much as you want. Freshen your coffee. Please. Yeah, what do I love most of all? The beautiful lady who brings this all to me, huh? In Russia, uh, waitresses look like wet lifter. Here, they are Lana Turner. <laughs> I love America. And you, my friend, what do you love? Me? I love these. Anazazi Indian Pottery. Classic tablet period. 1050 to 1300 AD. 
They developed a high degree of pottery skill in that period. The words cannot describe my excitement. Yeah, wise guy. I see you go off somewhere every day and come back empty-handed. What are you trying to dig up? Tonight, a little company, I hope. And a beautiful lady with the ketchup. That is, uh, if you will lend me your truck. <laughs> Knock yourself out, Yuri. Indy, you want to say how good it was to meet up with you again. And, uh, thank you for sharing your encampment with me for these many weeks. Agnomia Saspriu. Nahasto Pozalsta. This sounds like goodbye. You have signed on to big job overseas. Expedition for a month. You leave soon. You know how it is. Adventure calls. Well, enjoy for me. It uh, no longer calls to you. Adventure. The thrill of the chase. Yet, not me, pal. You are not the same man I knew many years ago. Before the war. Back then, adventure, it had a name. (laughs) What do you think, Gus? What do you think? This is our first scene. So we've got Yuri, the Russian, and Indy meeting up. Right. I mean, they really want to push that messaging of like, well, he's too old and he can't have the name for adventure, but you used to have the name for adventure, but I can't do that. I'm too old. He's refusing the call after the opening crawl. Like, it's straight away just, I'm too old for this. Uh, it'd be great if it just finished up there. It's like, he didn't answer. It's just, he's too old for this. Credits. Yeah. Yeah. Credits roll from there. Okay. Right. So, yeah, we've got him being disgruntled, but still head in his work. I guess that's interesting. Yep. Yeah. They've gone the whole route of like, isn't it funny? Indy's really boring yeah <laughs> which is a, mm. it's a bold move to open a movie an adventure movie not with a thrilling action sequence like you're used to in an Indiana Jones film but the most boring man in the world showing some pottery yeah exactly <laughs> but but I think we're going to get to the exciting bit okay, okay mm. we're getting to the exciting bit so now we're, we're Indy's got his camp he's sort of hundreds of yards above this uh, valley and he's looking out in his binoculars this is later on in the evening he sees a little faint trail of smoke and it's a car driving up Two other cars meet up with it and he realises, he looks through, it's actually his truck and Yuri's been driving it. Out jumps a bunch of guys in plain clothes. They all start changing into military fatigues and then they put a sticker on the side of Indy's truck to make it look like a military vehicle, right? Okay. So then they all pile inside and they drive off. Indy then gets out his map and he follows where they're heading. It's due west. He keeps putting his finger on... Was it little red dots on the map as they drive along it on his one that he can just see? No, 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 not yet. This is just plain finger. This is just Indy with his finger. And he looks to an area and it says restricted military zone. Mm. Of course. He then looks down and he goes... He actually says the line... Ah, nuts. (laughs) Restricted zones Why did it have to be restricted Restricted zones (laughs) So then we cut to Indy on horseback Galloping past a sign that says Military area highly restricted He dismounts um, and sort of behind some rocks And he sees his truck pulling up outside the base Um, Yuri and a bunch of uh, soldiers get out And suddenly they sort of duck behind a boulder And they vanish the truck drives off. Indy slowly makes his way over. He sort of looks around the area. He sees a small hole in the ground. On closer inspection, he sees it's a secret entrance underground tunnel that gets under into the military base. He squeezes through and then he pops up on the other side with a little fake hat of turf on his head like that. Indy then sort of uh, walks along. He sort of sneaks around next to the um, the, the truck and everything. And he sees there is a, a Russian uh, soldier standing outside the truck. So he hits him over the head and does the old swap clothes. You know he loves the swap clothes. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. So now he's he's dressed up as a, as a soldier. He walks into a huge hangar filled with catwalks, machinery, crates marked top secret, and he hears Yuri angrily telling someone um, that... What do you mean this is not good enough? This was the deal. And he sort of pokes his head out, and you can see some shadowy Russian men led by Yuri standing across from Professor Quimby and Professor Avery, two American scientists. They hold a three-foot canister marked plutonium and a bowling ball bag with a distinctive red, green, and black tartan pattern on the side. Quimby then says to Yuri, We're taking too big a risk giving someone 20 pounds of the highest grade plutonium. Plus, he holds up the bowling bag. For this, we should at least get paid double. Yuri agrees, so he shoots Avery and he falls dead. Now you don't have to split it two ways. (laughs) I have doubled your fee. (laughs) That Yuri is a character. Yuri then takes a bowling bag and hands it to this character that's called the Thin Man. The Thin Man. Yes. And now listen to this description. You cannot get a more sinister looking person. So he's a sinister individual, thin, dressed in black. He was described as death in a Homburg hat, which is one of those like little sort of truby sort of hats. Um, he has a rat thin face and a, and a scar that runs forehead to chin across a dead milky eye. Oh, so I'm like, give him a limp as well. Yeah. And a curly moustache yeah. as well <laughs> that he twirls when he's coming up with evil plans. Yeah, right. Ridiculous. So the thin man leaves with the bowling bag and he exit. They describe his exit as an oily shadow. <laughs> It's very good. Although I can see that. I can see a very... In, Indiana Jones films, they love sh- like dark and light and playing with the yeah. shadows, like him slinking away. And, That's exactly oh, yeah. right. Okay. Also, exactly right. Indiana Jones has never been subtle with their villains, to be fair. No, no, that's right. <laughs> yeah. That's 100% yeah. right. Um, now, Indy's been making his way around sort of the front of the truck and he taps on the window. The driver looks out and Indy says to him, Huh? No loading zone, pal. And punches him out. That's like the, the classic tap on the window no sort of thing. Ticket. Yep. Yeah, no ticket, exactly yep, right. Yep. And a good solid thwack, a punching like a bag of Bang. vegetable sound yeah, effect. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he then jumps in the truck and floors it. Yuri shouts at them to, to sort of chase him. They start firing and then they realise they could accidentally hit the plutonium. So they all start chasing him. Um, now two Jeeps take off in pursuit and uh, the rest of the men sort of run around this maze of machinery. Now this is very similar to the scene that we got in the actual film. Um, but I will say this, in the actual script, it has a little bit of um, description that says, where is it? Um, It actually says, This scene gives Mr. Spielberg the opportunity to stage the most breathtakingly outrageous near-miss sequence ever put to film. (laughs) Mr. Spielberg! (laughs) Don't you love that? Oh, please call me Steven. Um, I love... That, is that like pandering to the director by saying, but also I haven't written anything here? It's like insert scene here, but also yes. you do it better than me. So yeah. please, Mr. Spielberg, take it away. This is this is a this is a skill I think of someone that is getting out of work but making it seem like they're doing you a favour. To be like, oh, Stephen, no one could do this better than you. And when they see the film later on and they watch that wonderful near-miss sequence, they get to lean back and say, I told him to do that. Yeah, 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 exactly. Or he leans over and goes, I wrote that. Yeah. And and if it turns out bad, he goes, I didn't even write that. Stephen did Uh, that. I didn't even, yeah. (laughs) 
So How funny. We've got this this car chase scene that runs around. Now there is a different sort of part in it. They they drive accidentally into an engine test area, yep. and all these giant test engines start sort of belching out fire at random intervals. Okay. So it sort of takes out trucks behind him, and Indy does this little scene where he's sort of reversing and forwarding to dodge uh-huh. all the little bits of flame ah. um, until yep. the point where um, he does he he absolutely destroys the clutch and it sort of comes off in his hand the gear ship and he goes oh no and he does the old jump out of the car as it explodes great so now he finds himself sort of running away from bullet fire on the other side and then wham Indy gets slammed in the head he gazes up and it's Yuri he's got the jump on him Um, he's, he's landed in what seems to be some sort of small cockpit of sorts and he sees a button next to it marked fire but before we can reach it Yuri's choking him out Indy manages to land a pole driver punch to Yuri's face, and he, he sort of they sort of gets out of it, and then he hits the uh, fire button, and they shoot off down the thing. And this is very similar. It's like a land rocket. Yeah, it's like a land rocket thing, and so it shoots mm. out. So then yeah. they have this little fight where they're battling G-force, and their faces are all going funny oh. and stuff like that. It eventually gets outside, um, and they're all sort of shaken, and then Yuri sucker punches Indy in the head, and we cut to Indy slumped over the cockpit with Yuri injecting him with a needle. I was in the high fall. It was something to help you cooperate. Now you have to tell me, Indy. Who else knows about this? Is my mission at risk? Is a trap being set? Go piss up a rope. Yeah, the drug needs a few more seconds. I regret that this has come between us, my friend. There's an old American saying, with friends like you... Who needs enemies? Yes, yes, I have heard. Sadly true in our case, eh? As it turns out. Who else knows? Or is it just you being stupid and meddling in things you shouldn't? Nobody knows. Just me. You should have stuck to digging a pottery. Any last words? I love America. Take him with the other one. Can I say... How good it is to get Indy's classic line, go piss up a rope. Yeah, go I, piss up a rope. Yeah, I was scared he oh. wouldn't utter it in this film, as he does in every film. <laughs> that was the other catchphrase of an adventure girl, was it? Answers the call and go piss up piss a up rope. rope. <laughs> the other thing that is, is like, uh, I love America, that you'll see this starts to come through a little bit more, this patriotic sort yeah. of indie a bit more um, throughout mm. the film. Well, again, the 50s did start becoming like an uber patriotic kind of nation. With the Cold yeah, War, Cold War, yeah. yes, better exactly, red, yeah. better dead than red, sort of stuff. So Indy comes to, and he's in the trunk of a black Cadillac. Um, he sort of looks around in there. All he can find is a shovel and the dead body of Professor Avery in there. Yeah. So the Russians then stop the car in the middle of nowhere. They get out. Um, they open the boot, and they just see the two bodies in there. They decide to grab Indy first. They sort of pull him out, start dragging him away. Then the camera sort of focuses on the background, and we see Avery come to life. It's Indy. He swapped clothes with Avery in the boot. Yes, yes. It's too, <laughs> it's too soon of a change. And how lucky is it that everyone's his size? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, forget that, Cambo. Like the idea of, have you ever tried to just like change socks in a car? Like it's hard when you're sitting in a regular driver's seat. Have you ever changed to, tried to change every bit of clothing in a boot? Like, no, I'm sorry. That doesn't work. He's, and he's got, to, he's got to change underwear with Avery as well, just in case they check at some point. <laughs> just in case. Yeah, exactly. So Indy walks up behind 
behind both of them with his shovel raised and he knocks both of them out and he runs towards a local town. Now, this is, again, exactly the same scene that we right. have in the Crystal Skull. He gets to the town. It's deserted. He realises there's mannequins everywhere. Yeah. The Russians sort of come in there to chase him. Um, and then we hear that it's actually an atomic blast a test site yep. and the countdown begins. And look, unfortunately... We're going to do the fridge again. Yes. Okay, okay so... Look, we're doing the, the fridge. I'm okay with this. You don't mind the fridge? I really like this scene. I know a lot of people don't. I remember being in the cinema and I liked the setup of the old atomic testing village, his realisation of it. It's some of his best Harrison Ford, like, rubber face acting as he all <laughs> yes. waffles around. And then the fridges back then were lined with lead. And then it... Yeah, it's unrealistic, but it leads to that silhouette of him in front of the atomic explosion, which I, I liked. It had that kind of, you know, he's been in every of these big moments through history. It's like indie through the ages. And I don't know, it was a cool framed shot. It was unbelievable. But I mean, come on, we're at the movies, people. I liked it. I'm okay it's in this one too. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they do have the full mushroom cloud bit and everything in it as well with him, with Indy. And they, they mention in the script, um, Indy, uh, Indiana, it says in the script, we now see Indiana Jones and the mushroom cloud. <laughs> oh, that was the working title. I like it. <laughs> I, I do think it would have quelled some people. I think that some people had the problem with it being a bit cartoony. If they had of just some middle ground being like, he did survive the explosion in the fridge, but he also broke every bone in his body <laughs> when, when it landed yeah. and doubled. Yeah. And then it cuts to like three years later as he's healing and then he goes on his adventure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he can, he does come out of the fridge. Um, there's the big mushroom cloud there and then a whole bunch of engines and sirens start coming out and they converge on him. It's all US soldiers. They jump out. Um, they've all got their guns. Indy raises his hands and now we're with Indy in an interrogation room. I've told you everything. You've told us nothing. Well, nothing that makes any sense. You expect us to believe that you unknowingly harbored a Russian spy and that you had no part in this. I tried to stop them. Right, right. By giving them your truck. Yuri's broke down that morning. They said it would take three days to get the part in, so he borrowed mine. Right, and that's when you supposedly tried to stop them. Hell yes, I tried to stop them. Just ask the scientists at little weasel Quimby. As he talked, he's in custody. Man is willing to name you as a conspirator. What, in return for leniency? He's lying, trying to save his own skin. Right, unlike you, huh? You're just a patriotic American. A guy who believes the United States should maintain her nuclear superiority at all costs. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not sure I'd tie my patriotism to a belief in nuclear weapons. So you feel that the Soviets should dominate in that area? I didn't say that. Well, then what are you saying? I'm saying... Well, I'm not sure anybody should have the A-bomb. I think we lack the wisdom for that kind of power. America lacks the wisdom. Did I hear that right? A strong defensive posture is the policy of the United States government. Your government, Dr. Jones. You'd, uh, you'd prefer to see us fall victim to our enemies, huh? Am I being charged with something? Aside from surviving a nuclear blast? If so, I'd like to invite my lawyer to the philosophical debate. Charged? No, not yet. But I wouldn't go making plans to leave the country anytime soon if I were you. Look, just call Dean Stong at my university, or Senator Tashlin, or Congressman Freeling. He's known me since I was a kid. Or, or hell, there are people in your own organization you can ask. 
Leaving me back in the OSS days during the war, they'll vouch for me. My reputation is beyond reproach. You understand what I'm saying? Hide your friends. I think you'll find, Dr. Jones, that you're very wrong about that. So what are we getting? What are we getting? This, this patriotism is really coming through, isn't it? Well, he served. He, he served. served for his country, mate. It is, but hearing him on the back foot so strongly, it's like he... Indiana Jones doesn't care about it. He hasn't got time for this. And he's in there, like, defending himself from what we don't what we don't really know has occurred yet. And I, I do love that the whole scene preceding this has literally been what Indy does, which is that he sees something suspicious, he follows it, he steals it without knowing what it is, <laughs> and then gets caught or gets in a big sort of, like, kerfuffle on his way out of there. His plans are not well thought out. They're often on the fly. So for them to say, what was your plan? He's quite literally saying, I had no idea what I was doing. I was just... <laughs> For that wonderful, I was just in that wonderful hit and miss scene that you know was perfectly uh, scripted <laughs> yeah. by Mr. Spielberg. <laughs> so we leave him in interrogation. Everyone thinks he's possibly a Russian spy. Now he's back at Marshall University, and he rolls up in a BMW 328, a very fancy sort of old car. Actually, old car it would have been new yeah, at the yeah, time. Yeah. Um, That's he true. Get, yep. Yeah, he gets out. He grabs his briefcase. So he's in his full like teacher get up now. Tweed jacket. Yeah, big time, him. big time. Um, we see a black Dodge uh, ease into frame from behind. It's an FBI agent named uh, McKinson um, at the wheel, sort of following Indy. Basically, Indy goes inside. Um, he's saying to teach his class, and uh, lo and behold, um, the new dean comes in and tells him that uh, look, he's going to be suspended. Yeah, he's he's going to lose everything. The government's got involved, and he's there's nowhere else for him to turn. So Indy, sort of depressed, he leaves campus. He's walking the halls. It's now late at night, and he's absolutely drunk as a skunk. <laughs> yeah, this is drunk Indy. What? I know, seriously, Ooh. he's he's singing to himself as he walks down the corridor. Um, McKinson, the FBI agent, is still sort of following him. Indy walks into the center rotunda of this big area and he starts speaking to an unseen person. I'm telling you, Marcus, they really nailed my hide to the wall this time, buddy. Um, camera swings around and it's it's the same as we have in the original film. It's the bronze statue of uh, Marcus Brody in the middle of the courtyard there that he's chatting awesome. to. Um, we love we love Marcus. We do love Marcus. On this show, we want it known we're pro Marcus. We're very pro Marcus. <laughs> he's such an endearing character, and I think from memory in Crystal Skull, he's yeah he is still the bronze bust. Yes. But it's like used in a stunt scene where the cra- car crashes into it, yeah. and like Indy looks sort of like it, it's it, this is a more poignant way to to sort of bring that character into it. I like it. Okay, yeah. Can I say what's weird with this so far is it feels like we've slipped into just, just a parallel dimension because it's like these stories are running concurrent but just slight alterations in each one. Mm. Yeah, yeah, It's like yeah. some kind of chaos theory version of the crystal skull. Because <laughs> he literally <laughs> looks at the statue and he says, with sadness in his eyes, he says, I sure do miss you, pal. Oh, yeah, and he starts, nice. he, starts wa- he starts walking away. I'd never let a car hit you, pal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd never let Shia LaBeouf get anywhere near you. Um, <laughs> so he starts walking down the corridor. There's all these display cases. And we pass. There's a lot of little homages as we pass. We see the um, the cross of uh, Coronando from The Last Crusade yep. that he gets. So that's in a cupboard. And he stops in front of one familiar small golden fertility goddess statue that we know oh, and love. God. It's the grail. There's it's the grail <laughs> at university. It's just in a case. Yeah. Can I say? It says under-19s volleyball champion. After, <laughs> wait, after everything you did to get that cross back, you said it's in a cupboard? 
No, no, it's in a display case. It's in a display case. In a display case. It's, display case. it's, display okay. case. it's fine. Because remember, it belongs in a museum. That's well, what he, that no, it belongs exactly. apparently in a university. Cupboard. Well, yeah, it's still a museum. Still a museum. It's in a cupboard next to the mop. <laughs> yeah. He comes up with a drunk idea forms in his mind. So he says to Marcus, he says, we built this place and I'm going to take a little bit with me. So then what, this is so weird. He proceeds to smash the case of the uh, our little gold fertility goddess statue from Raiders of the Lost Ass. He notices that there is again another pressure sensitive pad underneath <laughs> it. So in a recreation of the first film, mm, he gets a handkerchief, no. fills it up with sand from an ashtray no. and duplicating the, the attempts right down to the, he sort of pours a little bit of sand out and then he does the switch <laughs> on the statue to get it out. Yeah. And then a, no. another large ball rolls there. It's like, not again. <laughs> not quite, but the security system does all go off after he sort of gives his little yep. cocky smile. Um, and, then, and then a security guard comes up, looks at a dumbfounded drunken indie, turns the alarm off and says, look, leave everything there, get home. And then he, says, he says, leave everything there, get, your, get yourself home. And that his father would be so disappointed in him. Oh, no. He shakes his head, oh. walks off. Um, then we have uh, McKinson then comes in he starts writing notes Indy sort of yells at him he goes man when are you going to stop writing notes about me and then crack a small hole appears in the glass door behind Agent McKinson and he falls down dead revealing behind him the thin man yes now we start having this epic sort of chase scene the thin man chasing Indy shooting him it ends up in the top of the campus clock tower where they have these life size bronze god and goddess statues like Zeus and Apollo where they all hit bells um, the clock starts striking midnight, so there's all this crazy stuff sort of happening. And then Indy does the old, he takes his shoes off and has them poking around a corner. Um, but then he hides mm-hmm. on the other side. So then the thin man comes in, sees the shoes, thinks he's got the drop on Indy, jumps out. But Indy actually comes from behind him. He throws the fertility goddess statue, knocks the thin man between the eyes. He flies back, crashing through the clock face. And they do that. They do that sort of overhead shot. They mention this in the in the script of so sort of the arms and legs windmilling as yeah. they go down. And I can only assume that they would put the Wilhelm scream there. Yeah, as yeah. he's falling oh, out the window. hundred percent. I would love them to do the RoboCop stop motion animation fall. The rubber he's, arms. We've got really yes. long arms. Yeah. Yes. 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 Oh, oh, yeah. Just you know. totally like an eighty stop motion. Being like that doesn't quite fit. You love it. You love it. So Slim um, man. <laughs> So this is sort of the fight scene that Indy always has with the big, the sort of big, tough, bad guy. More the like, thin man. He's called the thin man, but he's he's pretty wiry and stuff okay. like that. And he's sort of like that. Did you know, just a side note, did you know in all the other indies, you know that big person that he fights? That's played by the yep. same actor. Is it? In all three movies. Get out. No. So the guy, who he, yes. the, the guy who he fights around the, uh, the plane with the propellers. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, um, and the, then a big guy that he fights in the mine. Yes. Yes. Chief guard. Yes, and then guard, uh, and then and then the, yeah. there's a big Gestapo guy that he fights as well. So in each film, it's the actor's called Pat Roach, who actually unfortunately died in 2004, so he wasn't in the next one. Right. But he always played that really yeah. big hulking person that he always fights. Look controversial. That's but wonderful. I never knew that. Yeah, no, I think it's lazy. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> we need another big guy. Uh, get, get him online. Get, um, get Pat again. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's. I will say though, just the setup of that scene being that Indy drunk in the hallways is or in the hallway is already like a bit of a departure from that kind of character, yeah. and then to just have a foot chase with gunfire through an empty school. While I can see it maybe being dramatic, it's still I I will again diverge onto where Crystal Skull went, which was that uh, huge car chase, chase through and around the campus with yep. the motorbike and the climbing through the cars and the yeah. and the bit where he slides through the hall and one of the lecturers is like, what pa- uh, one of the the students is like, what page should I? Read? for this novel Mr. Yeah. Jones and he's like uh, read these books like yeah. it was a great it's like one of the most Spielberg-y yeah. uh, indie scenes in that school so yeah. this feels like a little lackluster yeah, in comparison that, that is one of the points in Crystal Skull I think that is a highlight where you're like oh this mm. has moments of classic indie and that I think that motorbike chase is one so now we go cut to Indy searching the thin man's body on the ground. He finds uh, in his pockets he finds a key for a small lockbox and the word Grand Central at the bottom Then we cut back to Indy in his bedroom and he's packing his suitcase. The light then comes on behind him and who do we see? Well, it's Henry Senior in the doorway wearing a robe. Uh, What time is it? Wait, go back to bed. Uh, Fine, run away. Dad, don't start. Run away like you always run away. That's what you're good at, isn't it? Lord knows you've had plenty of practice. Dad, not now. And you've been drinking. Look at you. You're a mess. Small wonder no self-respecting woman will have anything to do with you. Look, save the grandchildren's speech, okay? Some really pressed for time. Indiana, stop. These charges of treason outrage me to the marrow of my bones. They're a disgrace to everything we hold dear. You must stay and fight, son. You mustn't run away. No? Watch me. It appears there's a reason you're named after the dog. A man tried to kill me tonight. An assassin sent by the Russians. Dear God. Well, we must alert the authorities. You need protection. This surely proves your innocence. He killed an FBI agent. The one tailing me. They're gonna think I did it. You know where that puts me? The electric chair. Junior, forgive me. But I can't let you run. I won't. You'll only prove them right. Indy bursts from the bedroom, chased a moment later by his father. They lock eyes and then cut in different directions. Henry towards the front door and Indy towards the back. Dr. Jones, it's the police. Open up. Coming, coming. Hold on. Indy turns the corner and pauses. He listens. Watch the meaning of this. Do you know what time it is? There we go. Little uh, Sean Connery action there. It's not Henry Jones Sr. unless he slaps his son at some point. (laughs) I can't believe he slapped him. Yeah, it's like, what's happened to all the love that we got from Last Crusade? I thought they got along now. This feels like they're at odds again and they're they're the odd couple. I I will say he does turn, turn on a dime. Because he's like, you disgust me to the marrow of my bones. How could you do it? And he goes, Dad, it wasn't me. He goes, well, then we need to alert the authorities. You're innocent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's old. He's getting old, Cambo. He doesn't really know what's going on. <laughs> he son, called him Indiana. He called him Junior. He can't remember which one's which. Yeah, yeah there, there's no one at the door. No, no, no. no there's no police coming. There's no police coming. He's talking to the dog like it's his son. Who knows what's going on? So 
Um, we are now we now cross to uh, Grand Central Station where Indy walks through all the commuters. Um, he goes to the lockers, he opens one, and inside is the bowling bag, the one that we saw earlier. With the tartan, the, the tartan side mm-hmm. on the side. Mm-hmm. Next to it is a hotel room key. He grabs it and he follows it to the Hotel Excelsior. As Indy enters, there's this guy, sort of dodgy looking guy at the front. His name is, uh, is Reggie and he watches him go inside. Inside the hotel, Indy, Indy goes to the room number. He bursts in, expecting to sort of see people with his revolver drawn, but there's no one in there. So he decides to sit down and wait. Um, and while he's waiting, he wants to look what's inside this bowling bag. He reaches in and he pulls out a crystal skull. Oh, <laughs> yes. Okay, hang on. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Um, so it looks exactly the same as what we got in the movie, but maybe a little bit more sort of human-like, not as elongated. Sure. Um, and full of vodka? And full of vodka. <laughs> Dan Aykroyd's greatest. finest. Yeah. Te- Temple of Doom's own, Dan yeah. Aykroyd. Yeah, that's right. Um, Indy looks into the skull and he's suddenly drawn into a bit of a hypnotic trance. The room falls away and we hear guttural inhuman voices. And then twin beams sort of emanate from the eye sockets of the crystal skull. Then bang, 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 someone's at the door. Indy snaps out of it, he goes to the door. It's this Reggie, dodgy looking character. He's a bit of a gangster and he simply hands Indy an envelope with a plane ticket. Indy looks inside, it's for Peru. And he's told to go to the Hotel El Presidente. He then turns and leaves. Indy knows what he must do. And then Gus, we have the classic Indie travelling montage with the mat and the red dot. A bit of fanfare and like a costume change. Like he's clearly now, that's when he packs all the bits he needs and like goes into Indiana Jones International Indi- International Archaeologist of Mystery. Of Mystery, yeah. <laughs> now I will say it does mention, this is a weird thing that it mentions. So as he's flying, he sort of changes um, flights as he goes. You know how the image sort of comes in from the background? Yeah. It mentions in the script, it actually notes that with each plane ride, the stewardesses get less attractive. Mm. <laughs> Where is this written? That's a weird note. That is a weird note. Yeah. This is 03. This is 03. So he's getting in like worse and worse planes as he's going, and as he's going, the stewardesses are getting less attractive, okay. which is a weird I, note. I just maybe maybe show the plane the pilots are dodgier and there's more chickens in yeah, chickens on yes. each plane. You don't have to show that, like, oh, though we're we're heading into different countries because the people get less attractive. I've never it's seen so that as a film weird. device. It's okay. So weird. I will say this. When we covered Indiana Jones and the Monkey King, mm. which was written by uh, the guy that made Grem- wrote Gremlins, uh, yep. for, for, Chris Columbus, yep. it has some weirdly sexist overtones, that movie. Yes. Uh, and we, we, we popped him in the bit. We threw De- him out. Darabont, you're on, you're, we're, we're, we're watching you. Matt, you've been warned, Frank. <laughs> yeah, you're on yeah, warned. We're, yeah, we, warned. we're not going to pop you in the bin yet, but we're, we're watching you, all right? <laughs> <laughs> so we're now arriving in Peru in a sort of a bit of a backwater town, and Indy makes his way to the hotel. How do the women look? Um, fucking great. Oh, <laughs> oh thank God. <laughs> um, so he's at this Hotel El Presidente, a rundown colonial mess. We then cut back to Reggie back in New York. Yuri's there beating him up, and Reggie tells him... He was told by the thin man to hand over the information to whoever checked into the Hotel Excelsior with the plaid, um, with the bowling bag with the tartan packet on the side. He was just told to give this person these tickets. Fair enough. How is he meant to know that it should have been Yuri? Yuri asked him, what did this man look like? And then it cuts straight back to Indy's face as he puts on his suit. You know how he, he dresses yeah. up in the suit, like yeah. the white suit? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he's mm-hmm. going for that. He heads to the bar downstairs. 
The room is full of nefarious looking occupants. We're talking eye patches and a, a guy's got like a macaw bird on his shoulder. <laughs> so they all look yep. like dodgy yep. villains, right? He sits down and he waits it's for one of them. a villainous cocktail party <laughs> just getting started. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He sits down and he waits for one of them to approach him. But then a stylish woman gets up. She's dressed all in white and her face is sort of obscured by a wide brimmed hat. She comes behind Indy and drops an olive into his drink. He turns. A frozen beat. His expression goes slack. We cut to the reverse angle. And who is it? It's Marion Ravenwood. Indy smiles. Uh, Her smile fades and she punches him in the face. What the hell are you doing here? What the hell are you hitting me for? I told you if I ever saw your face again, I'd pop you one. That was 12 years ago. You got a long memory, lady. Yeah, too long. I still remember you, don't I? You said you'd pop me one, not two. A lady always keeps a promise. You didn't answer my question. I'm meeting somebody. Could be dangerous. I'd love to stand here and reminisce, but you have to leave. Fine, just give me my crystal skull. I'll wait outside. You? I'm meeting you? You're still not too bright, are you, James? Some things never change. Marion grabs her martini and downs it in one gulp. The diggers in the world they had to send you. Unbelievable. She grabs the gin bottle from the bar and walks out. She's swigging gin outside as Indy runs up to her a moment later. What are you mad at me for? How much time you got? Hey, you're the one who walked out of me, remember? That was your choice. You left me no choice. You... No, oh, forget it. Just give me the skull. Mary, listen. Do you even know what you've gotten into? Do you know the danger you're in? Of course there's danger. Don't patronize me. I've been on plenty of expeditions. I know the risks. They did mention the expedition, right? You're supposed to be my foreman. Ring a bell? Uh, well, sure, but they never said where. Never mind where. This ain't gonna work out, so consider yourself off the hook. Just give me what I came for, and we'll call it a night. For the rest of our lives. He grabs the gin bottle from her hand. Marion Ravenwood. I always knew someday you'd come walking back through my door. Only this time, I got something you need. It saunters off back towards his hotel. Damn you, Jones! Two glasses hit the table in Indy's hotel room. The gin bottle pours two drinks. No more games. Where is it? Maybe here? Maybe not. The angle widens as Marion searches around the room, inside closets, under the bed. She finally gives up and crosses back towards Indy. Expedition to where? This is extortion. Absolutely. Cuidad de los dioses. That's right. We're going after the lost city of the gods. <laughs> lost Dios? That city's not lost. It never existed. It's a myth. A fable. <sighs> Oh, yeah? Where do you think the skull came from, smart guy? (laughs) Sounds like hooey to me. It's not. There was a failed expedition about three years ago. The Oxley Expedition? That's the one. Figured you'd heard of it. Oxley was a friend of your father's, wasn't he? Yeah. That was like an uncle to me. Broke my old man's heart when they disappeared without a trace. Not entirely without a trace. A year after they vanished, a lone survivor staggered out of the jungle into some remote village. 
How he survived that long in the wild is anybody's guess. But I hear the poor guy's mind was gone. Word is he wound up in an insane asylum. A survivor? You sure? It wasn't Oxley, if that's what you're thinking. Just some bearer. Point is, he was carrying the skull when they found him. It's been changing hands ever since. Wasn't easy to track down. Or cheap. Cost us a small fortune. Who's us? Who's involved in this cockeyed mess? Baron Peter Belasco. The famous archaeologist? I'm sure you've heard of him. Belasco? The Hungarian? Yeah, I've heard of him. He's a dilettante who writes bestsellers. Let me tell you something. For centuries, people have gone after Las Dias and died trying. That's cause it ain't real. It's a fairy tale. If this Belasco is going for it, he's a lunatic. He's dangerous. Do not trust him. In fact, stay as far away from him as possible. That'll be a little hard to do. She holds up her hand to show Indy her wedding ring. Since he's my husband. I can't believe it. After all that talk about your father dragging you all over the world? After all that talk about me? After all that belly aching? You want to married an archaeologist? He's reliable. And he's got class. I became an excellent judge of character thanks to you. Yeah. I'm modest. You gonna give me the skull? Sure. As soon as we're underway, partner. Partner? I'm in charge of this expedition, Jones. That means you work for me. The sooner you get that through your thick head, the better off we are. 10 a.m. Be ready to leave. You and the skull. There we go. <laughs> so their first meeting, they're back. They're back. What do we think? I love a bit of Indy Marion back and forth. I do too. She's such a great character, but there's definitely something sadder about this Indy. Like, not only was he, you know, gets fired from his job, gets <laughs> drunk in the, the campus, he turns up and Marion's married and he's like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I, I think I, I think I appreciate this because it's definitely where the character should be by now versus like, he's not the same old Indy. He's just like, he's a bit behind on everything. And Cambo, the way you said it, this kind of like seems to swerve off from where the original, where the film finally landed. I, I can see how that the the crystal skull turned into a this needs to be more fun this needs to be more he still needs to be an action hero <laughs> yeah. like he's too old and they're like no the test audience is like he's too sad as an old man we've got to make this fun again so i appreciate that this still feels like where this character would have wound up yeah uh, another difference i've only just noticed is no mutt yes there's no mutt we're muttless and it seems like karen allen when she returned in crystal skull returns real late into that movie yeah like more than halfway through and uh mm. you know it's uh a somewhat underwhelming bit she seems more essential to the plot here cool so now we're in the presidential palace and marion and indy um they have to get these personal authorization of expedition papers signed by the el presidente himself the president's um, assistant sort of takes them into this palace ballroom and they see the uh, the president, El Scalante. Um, he's classic dictator, right? He's got his military uniform, his medals, everything like that on his chest. And um, he welcomes them in to his celebration. Firstly, he takes a picture of them to add to his wall of people who have gone after the city of the gods and never returned. He's got a whole wall of them. <laughs> oh, I like that. That's yeah. that's sinister and funny yeah. and like sets up the the what is to come. Like there's yeah. clearly uh yeah. 
Well, it also has a meaning because Indy studies the photos and he sees Professor Oxley that was oh, mentioned before. He sees him in one of the pictures oh, and he's like, oh, that's Oxley. Um, he turns um, he turns just in time to have sort of the camera go off and his photo gets put up the wall and he's got that sort of uh, expression on his face. Um, in the background, we see an American agent sort of lurking there. Um, he takes a look at Indy and then he heads to a payphone. We hear him sort of talking quietly. He says, tell Washington, Jones has surfaced in Peru. An orchestra then starts playing in the background and Indy and Marion, they sit on a table um, in the ballroom and they're sort of going over books and maps. As they look for clues, a line of men are trooped they say trooped out onto the stage area. Um, there looks like a sort of a, a row of men competing in some sort of beauty pageant, right? Indy thinks from his readings, he's gone through a whole bunch of books, the velocity of the gods can be found by following the lines in the earth left by the gods as a map. Now, Professor Oaksley once told Indy's dad that he thought the lines in the earth could be the Peru uh, Nazca lines, those big images that are sort of carved into the, have you seen them? Have no, you guys seen them? The, the ones that you can only see from from like high up. Yeah, you or can... like from space now. But oh. back then it was kind of weird because they were like, "How did they know what this looked like?" Because they weren't high enough, or they had no point high enough. But yes. hang on, yeah. but hang on. Human beings could never see that. So how are they? Yeah. Oh, this, uh, I don't know yeah. about this. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so he then draws a line over a possible route, thinking that if Oxley's right, they should fly over the Nazca lines and take some photos, and then maybe it'll point the way. The live orchestra then plays a jaunty tune as nooses are lowered onto the men's necks on stage. <gasps> Indian oh Marion are so excited by their plan, they don't notice the music stop and thunk. The <laughs> men are hung behind them. Wow. Derek Bond went a lot darker with this. <laughs> no, is this not really I weird? liked when he was the playful Polaroid guy. Now he's yes. like, also, tonight's entertainment, execution. Death, exactly. <laughs> then he says, um, Indian Marion, look around, jaws open. Presidente. Uh, so much for the communist rebels. As he walks over and he signs Marion's documents and hands them over to her. He gives one last warning saying, Remember, all antiquities found in Peru belong to me. He smiles and they let, they uh, they say, walk out. Wipe to Indy, now in his classic leather jacket, fedora, bullwhip. Marion sort of squashed into the small, uh, it's a biplane cockpit, so that's a plane with yep. two sets of wings. So they're flying out yep. over the, uh, the Nazca lines and Indy's sort of taking photos of them as, as they go past them all. Um, there's like um, a killer whale one, there's a baby condor, a hummingbird, astronaut, um, the god, and so on. Indy sort of uh, leans out, takes some photos, but then we see in the background another plane starts to pursue them. Yeah, another biplane. And it's flown by Yuri. What comes next is a classic dogfight in the air. Now, these are planes going sort of in and out, shooting each other. Indy's got his pistol sort of firing off. Good. Indy then literally jumps mid-air from one plane onto Yuri's plane, right? Yeah. So he changes yeah. planes, then he punches Yuri in the face and they have a scuffle. Then he manages to kick the controls and the plane does a spin in mid-air and shoots Yuri out of the plane. So Yuri sort of falls out. He falls down, he starts, he, he's got a parachute on, so he starts parachuting away. He then starts, the engine of the plane gives out and the plane starts sliding through all the trees. And there's all these monkeys that are screaming at them. One lands on Indiana Jones, yells at him, then Indy yells back at its face and it sort of flies off. Um, the plane <laughs> comes to a stop before it catches fire immediately. Um, they grab the crystal skull, they jump out of the plane and it explodes. Uh, and they're sort of lying both down and, and Marion says, are you all right, Indy? And he looks at her and he goes, I think the monkey pooped on me. <laughs> That's in the script. That's in the script. That's in the script. Okay, well, 
now we see why this series that you guys are doing is first drafts and it's like <laughs> everything that they shouldn't have cut out. Now we're coming across those little gems which are like, oh, not so, which is like, uh, was that in there on purpose? Is there is that a red herring? So they take that out and don't and leave in something, something else. Something that they I'm really like, want. Yeah. But I don't know. That's a cool, that's a pretty cool. Now, obviously that's not in Crystal Skull. No. But it does sound like a pretty cool. Um, we do see the appearance fire. of some monkeys. Which there are some monkeys. Which appear in Crystal Skull. This is true. I got worried when I heard monkeys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm okay with fridge, but I will not see swinging monkeys with Shia LaBeouf. Like that's where I draw the line. <laughs> but what what's cool about this? They do sound like they were literally going to actually do some um, some wind walking, like where you walk yeah. on the side of the wings yeah. of the plane, and some cool, really cool stuff in terms of that. That would have been and awesome. And you need to escalate it because we had the biplane chase in Last Crusade with uh, with dad in the back with the, the machine yes. gun yep. off the, the back turret. So we've had a plane fight in an indie film, but they have to obviously go to the, the next stakes. And that was adequately like thrilling and yeah, yeah it would have worked. It would have worked really well. So they lie exhausted on the ground. Um, Marion leans over to him and he says, uh, What's the matter, Jones? Mileage finally caught up with you? It ain't the mileage, sweetheart. It's the years. So this is a little throwback to the conversation they have in Raiders. Um, Then we cut to Yuri. He's cutting himself down from a parachute and he hears cocking of rifles. He turns around and it's the Peruvian soldiers aiming at him. Now we're back with Indy and Marion. They hear a twig snap. They all look around. Suddenly, a line of fierce native warriors are all poised with blowguns and arrows pointed right at them. Then a German gentleman emerges from between the natives. It's Dr. Felix von Guran. He says to them, Guten Tag. <laughs> well, we have come to the end of part one of our cancelled movie report on Indiana Jones and the City of the Gods. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we would love it if you subscribed, be it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you like to listen. It, that really helps us get discovered in the charts. It would also be terrific if you could leave us a five-star rating or most importantly of all, tell a friend. We're completely independent here at Cancelled Movie Report, so your support means the world to us. And hey, if you want to support us in a more substantial way, you can come join our new Patreon. We've got a whole slew of cool bonuses in there, including a whole bonus podcast all about famous people that were almost cast in iconic movie roles, and we make them real. So come and join us over on Patreon and hear that. Hey, what do you think of the movie? And did we miss anything? We'd love to hear from you. You can always get in touch with us via cancelmovies at gmail.com or at cancelmovies on all of the socials. And maybe there's a cancelled movie project you've always wanted to hear about it. Let us know and we may just give it the cancelled movie report treatment. Gus, thank you so much for joining us for part one. Can we dangle a carrot on a string in front of you and tempt you to come back and hear how the story ends? Kevo, no carrot required. I'll be, I'll be here regardless. <laughs> Great. Well, if people are interested in, in, in your works, where can they find you? Yeah, they can head to backpocket.gg where we have links to all the stuff that we do. We do a, a weekly show. We do a bunch of streams online and a couple of podcasts as well. So it's uh, it's all there. Come check it out. And when you say we, who, who are you talking about there? Because you're, oh, you're with I, some big players. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, yeah, so it's a show with uh, a couple of old uh, hosts I used to work with with Nick Boy uh, and uh, Steph or Hex as a lot of people know her uh, and Pete and a couple of uh, just a group that we all came together after we finished our work back in the olden days on TV so it's a it's a it's a rich group of comedy stars and video game uh, <laughs> professionals <laughs> fantastic well I'm Michael Campbell I've hosted and edited this episode and Eden Porter was my co-host too thanks for having me Cambo and we both produced the show of course we also need to shout out our amazing voice oh, cast how good are they Cambo? led by Chris Lama's Indiana Jones in this episode and the whole cast can be found in the episode notes below now make sure you're listening next week to find out how everything wraps up but if you can't wait 
Here's a sneak peek. Five peaks. Five peaks of a star. But which of the peaks are the direction we must go? One point of the star is longer than the next, like an arrow. That's our direction. That'll lead us to the hummingbird, wherever that is. Ah, a brilliant solution. And until then, take care.